Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Secret Library Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you via the Secret Library Podcast Patreon. You can check it out and become a supporter at patreon.com slash secret library. This is episode 131 of the Secret Library podcast. My guest this week is the amazing Susanna Conway, who is the author of the books Instant Love, How to Make Magic and Memories with Polaroids, and This I Know, Notes on Unraveling the Heart, as well as her latest London Town, a photographic tour of the city's delights. But we're not going to talk about her books today. What we're going to talk about is a project that I have participated in that she's offered for many years called, there's actually two parts, Find Your Word and Unraveling the Year Ahead. We spend so much time as writers thinking about how we can make work that is seen by many other people, that is gotten out into the world, that is ready for readers. But I think as we come to the end of a long year, We're at the very, very end of 2018 right now. I think it's important to think about writing we do for ourselves and writing we do to take care of ourselves and the way that words can support our writing lives. So I asked Susanna to come on and I was really glad she was willing to come back and talk to us about the process of finding a word for the year as well as the process of unraveling the year ahead. So I hope this year you can take some time right up at the end and take care of yourself and do a practice, either the ones that we talk about in this episode or something where you get to write for yourself, where you write something that no one ever has to see. It's just for you. It's just to really engage with your writing and take care of your writing self. We'll have plenty to do and plenty of episodes to motivate you to go forward into 2019 and to get fired up and set goals. But for right now, in these last few days of the year, Really let your words take care of you. So with that said, here we are with Susanna Conway. Hey, Susanna, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for inviting me back. It's good to be here again. Oh, my goodness. Always, anytime. And as we are getting to the end of 2018 and getting ready for 2019, I wanted to have you on because there are some rituals that you have shared with the world for quite some time. And I think that even though we're not talking about your books, I do think that these processes really help people reflect on the year that they've had with their writing and also can help to set really solid intentions moving forward into the next year. So for those of you who are not familiar, although my clients are constantly like, when's Susanna's workbook coming? Um, they I've get been getting excited. so many emails. Yes. Yeah. So many emails about it. There are a couple of rituals that you share at the end of every year that I think can really support people reflecting on the year they've had with their writing and start to set intentions for the year ahead. And for those of you not familiar with them, they are find your word and unravel the year ahead. So... I think they work nice as a pair, but I'm wondering if we can talk about how you use these processes and then maybe we can talk about how they might impact people's writing 
and plans with writing. Yeah, of course. I can't remember which one came first, actually, thinking about it. Um, it might have been the word the word, word finding that came first. And it wasn't something that, that I obviously created. It's not the most original thing. And I certainly didn't start doing it to share. I just decided to pick a word for the year that was coming. And I've never been into setting resolutions. You know, they never work. Um, I don't know anyone who who has them work for them at all, actually. They're just, they're, it's almost like setting yourself up for failure. If you say, right, I'm going to go to the gym twice a week this year, and you do it for a week, and then it all just falls apart. It always felt like too much pressure. So I love the idea of finding a word, because that felt more inspiring. And something I could, I could aim for and sort of have around me and let it infuse into everything I do rather than be something I rigidly, you know, have to have to implement or or become. Um, so I started, I can't remember what my first word was, but I, I started doing it easily 10 years ago, um, just picking a word, figuring out well, what do I what do I need next year? Like thinking about what's coming up for me, what am I going to be doing? Is there some big life thing going on? Or what do I feel that I need now that I've come to the end of this year? What do I need? So that was kind of the question I'd ask myself. And usually the word would kind of make itself known over the last couple of months of the year. Although interestingly, this year that hasn't happened yet. And I, I don't know what my word for 2019 is yet. Mm. Um, but, but usually... I know what's coming up. So, for example, when I chose the word nourish for 2015, I knew that in, I think it was um, January or February, I was having surgery. So I knew that I'd want to have a word that would feel, well, exactly that, nourishing, supportive, just something to wrap around me and look after myself. And it was it was such a beautiful word for that year. I remember so many things happened and yes, the surgery was one of the, the biggest pieces that took weeks and weeks to recover from. But nourish ended up being, well, does this does this thing I'm doing feel nourishing? Does this person feel nourishing? Does this thing I'm doing in, in my work feel nourishing? It was such a great word that even saying the word, I'm like, oh, I should I should choose that word again. I know, I'm like, um, mm, that one sounds good. <laughs> it really is. It really is such a delicious word. And sometimes you want a word that's going to, um, make you feel bigger and stronger. So, for example, in 2012, I chose the word brave because I knew that's when my first book was coming out. I knew I was going to do a book tour. I had so many things coming up that were pushing me out of my comfort zone. And I just thought, wow, I'm going to need to feel brave. And I want brave to be the word that gets me out there and, and fortifies me and, and supports me. And it really did. It really helped me put myself out there because I'm like well what would brave do like if I'm doing this what how would I how, what would how could I embody brave and so courage would have been a similar kind of word but brave was like ugh. it felt more I don't know yeah more inspiring so each time I try and choose a word that feels like it will support me somehow and sometimes it's a word that's quite active that's getting me out and sometimes it's a word that's bringing me back into myself that's you know like nourish that's quite a, an inward, delicious word. So anyway, this is this is the stuff that I share in Find Your Word. Just I, People were asking me, well, how do you pick a word? How can I do it? So I just cobbled it together, really, and just thought, well, how do I, how do, I do it? What do I do? And turned it into a little five-day mini course that you can take for free and hopefully find a word that will support you 
in the year that's coming. Yeah. There are some things that I really find useful about it in terms of preparing for a year and what I want to accomplish in an upcoming year. I think it it does allow you to be really intentional. And the other thing I like about it that's different than having a bunch of resolutions, in particular when people are thinking about, oh, I really want to write this year, I think it's important to not have rigid box ticking kind of processes around writing because it's so easy, as you said, to feel like you're failing and to feel like you're not making any progress. Whereas having a word is sort of like unwrapping a present throughout the year. And there are all of these surprises that come with, oh, I had no idea that this was how that word would come. And I think, I mean, a fairly obvious parallel is that, you know, you're interacting with language, which is what writers do. We think about language really clearly. And you can think about a word that that you want to understand completely and that you want to live. Um, it makes me think of that quote from Rilke that everybody thinks about, you know, living the questions themselves. I almost mm. feel like picking the word is is choosing the question you want to live for the next year and the one that you want to explore. You said it far more beautifully than I did. Absolutely. What word do you want to live? Yeah. What, do you, what word do you want to live for the next 12 months? I love that. And it's almost like what word is medicine for the experience you've had for the last 12 months? I mean, I did well, Brave too. And man, that was intense. <laughs> it was really intense. It kept giving me situations in which I had to be brave. And I thought, oh, man, I totally did this to myself. I picked this word and now I have to be brave. I have to man up and do it yeah. um, over and yeah. over again. I think that's part of the magic. The words can, can be a bit tricky like that. And, and I'm, I'm convinced that we do end up picking the words that we need and it will come about in exactly the way we need it. For example, in 2016, I picked the word love. And to my mind, I'm thinking, right, well, I'm ready to open my heart. I'm ready to meet someone. Yes, yes, yes. You know, this is what I want this year. And um, as it turned out, that's not what went down at all. And I got to September and my baby nephew was really poorly and was in hospital for six weeks. And I ended up spending six weeks looking after his brother um, away from home. I just moved house. Everything was completely upside down. And I got to the end of that year truly understanding why I chose the word love for that year. So, I mean, things happen. Things happen. Um, and it's just it's always amazed me how I pick the right word. You just do. And And I'm trying to think there was one year I picked a word. And I think I got to the end of the year and I couldn't really remember what the word was. And I now know, looking back, that I picked a word that was a bit of a cop out. Mm. I picked the word compassion. And <laughs> it's, it's the year I probably wanted to choose love. Like this comes up every year for me. I'm like, I want it to be love. That's, you know, that's what I'm ready for. And every year that my life brings me something else because this is my journey. Um, so the year I picked compassion, it was it was a cop out word because I didn't pick the word I really wanted. And that that's how the year went down. I didn't I didn't fully embrace the word because it wasn't the right word. So interesting. It just because of doing this practice every year, you kind of you get you get the feeling of how things might turn out. So just go with the word you really want, not the word you think you should pick, but the one you really want. Yeah, the one that feels, I always pick the one that feels like a tiny bit forbidden and yet mm. delicious. Yeah, delicious is the word. It's got to, And you've got to be a little bit excited about it and maybe a little bit challenged, sure. You know, if you're going for a year that's going to be full of growth, then that's great. But it is just the one where you look at all the words you're thinking about. You're like, yeah, but I want that one. 
that's the one to pick. I think that this segues into the unravel your year, which I think is so important. And I think that going through that process is actually something my husband and I have been doing for a few years. I make him do it. He's not, I mean, he's a visual artist, so he does very small little notes versus mine is like pages of writing on each question. But I think the thing that's really important about it is it's easy to get to the end of the year. And maybe you had a few intentions that you set at the beginning of this year thinking, oh, this year I'm going to write X number of pages or I'm going to write X book or blah, blah, blah. And if it didn't go down exactly the way you planned, it's really easy to write everything off and not to recognize the things you have accomplished. Absolutely. Well, the years go so quickly, don't they? I mean, it's not even funny. I can't believe it's almost 2019. So I think just giving yourself the space to sit down and look at what has happened and, yeah, then think about what you would like to do um, and and just setting a few intentions, not resolutions still, still don't want to do those, but just just we can create our lives. It's not just all this stuff that happens to us and we have no say in it. We get to direct or to, to steer the ship. We, we, we can do that. And, and God, I'm a journalist, you know, I've been journaling since I was 11. So of course, I want to sit down and write stuff down. It's the same for you. It's, it's nice to put words together and, um, and witness your own experience. So when I first created the, um, the workbook, it was like four pages, it was nothing, it was this tiny little thing I, I put together, and I got my designer to make it look nice. And it was just because I was I was going on a retreat with some friends, and I thought it'd be fun to do, we could all sit down and you know, have coffee and chocolates and, and write some stuff down and have a little workbook to work through. And and then I decided to share it on the blog. And then, of course, I did it again the next year. And now it's like this massive, <laughs> massive PDF that I, that I, you know, give out for free. And what I like, and maybe some people don't like this, but I like it. I like that the questions don't really change much each year because it then gives you the opportunity to look back over your answers from previous years and you can see what's shifted and what's changed you can see if some of the things you wanted to do or, or wanted to make changes in did they happen didn't they why didn't they you know you can see how how you evolve as the years go on so I like having the familiarity of the same question so I try not to tinker with it too much each time I put it together for the next year you know it, it, it feels important that we have that it feels like a tradition. And I have people emailing me. I had about four emails today going, oh, when's it going to be ready? <laughs> Can you send it to me? Because I'm going away next week and I want to do it. And I'm like, it's not ready yet. So it's so sweet. And I love that that people enjoy doing it because I really love putting it together. You know, it's like one of the most fun things I do all year, really. I mean, I like giving away free stuff anyway. That just feels really good. So I love that that people enjoy using it. I think something that's, important about what you said about the questions not changing is that I think we are always conditioned, particularly, you know, as we get through the whole holiday shopping madness and all of those processes that lead up to the new year to be convinced that there's some little trick or there's some new method or there's some new device or pen or something that's going to transform your whole life. You know, if you have a different set of questions, then you're suddenly going to be achieving all of your goals, when really, the thing that makes a difference is putting consistent effort towards things that matter to you over time. So I like the the repetition of the questions. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's the problem with being online, isn't it? 
there's always something new. There's always a new course. There's always a new thing, a new a new coaching you know method or something that's going to make everything magically better. And actually, what makes everything magically better is just coming back to yourself and asking yourself some questions. You know, I really do think we have the answers, all the answers we need inside us. And yeah, I don't have the answers for how to perform brain surgery. You know, I'd need to learn that. But but the answers I need to to help me in what I'm doing and where I'm going and how I feel and, and what matters to me, they're all inside me. So, I mean, this is why we write, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or journaling or whatever it is, you know, we write to figure it out. So that's kind of the core of this, this workbook really is just write some words down, see if it makes a difference, you know, get it out on the page because it's, it's all in there. And I think if we can spend a bit of time looking back over the year and appreciating what happened, even the difficult stuff, maybe especially the, the difficult stuff, it kind of sets you up ready for the next the next part of the journey, which is, you know, the next 12 months that are coming. And there's a lot of pressure for the whole new year, oh, new year, new me. It's all going to be different now. It's a blank page and a you know, blank slate and it's all going to be better. Well, maybe it's all going to just be the same. But it, but it's how you look at it, and it's it's what you bring to it that can change. So there are lots of things in my life I don't want to change, and there are a few things I'd like to just gently evolve. So my yearly check in is kind of my way of of doing that. Really, it's like, well, you know, what have I done the last twelve months? Because all I can ever remember is the last the last four weeks. So it's quite <laughs> nice to to go back over and go, God, yeah, what did happen in February? I can't remember. So this is my my way of doing it. Do you find as you do it, because every year, you know, you've over the past nine, almost 10 years, you've created at least one course. And then there's also been multiple books that have come out. Do you when do those projects kind of make themselves known that they're coming down the pipeline? Is that something that happens at New Year or is that something that just happens as, as you go? Because I think you're really oh. good at like managing you know your expectations you know yourself well enough to know okay this is my energy level this is what I can accomplish over this amount of time but how do you kind of prep yourself for those projects coming out definitely doesn't happen with the turn of the year I never know what's going to happen with the next year really I mean I have an idea I know that I'm going to run courses that already exist and and think well actually this year I'd quite like to make another course usually the way it goes is Every course that I've ever made has been um, the step on from the one that came before it. So, you know, when I first did Unraveling, I knew that I then wanted to move on to doing photography, a photography course, because that had been included in the previous course. And then from there, I knew, well, I want to do one about blogging because and then I wanted to do something about, you know, whatever it was. They, they've always one has led to the other. So they don't just kind of magically appear in the middle of the night, although I do think about them a lot in the middle of the night. <laughs> but but they do, they, they've all kind of once led on to the next, to the next, to the next. So that makes life a bit easier. I also do a yearly survey that I send out to everyone on my mailing list, asking them, you know, what do you want? What would be, what would serve you right now? What, what are you looking for in your own life? Um, what do you need? And I might give them a few um like course titles that I've been thinking about kind of get it's like doing a poll and see what people think um and actually the last two courses I've created were the top two 
on it, you know, that I that I canvassed in the survey. So that was, I feel like I've accomplished something proper there and done a proper business thing. Because normally, I'm just, well, like everyone, I'm making it up as I go along. Um, I've been doing this, this online teaching for 10 years, it'll be 10 years in January, which is, which completely blows my mind. I can't believe it's been 10 years. Because I remember doing the first course and just thinking, well, this isn't going to last, is it? This, you know, who does courses? This is, it's so new, you know, maybe, maybe I won't be able to do it again. And then I ran it again and again. And, and now everyone's doing it. And it's like this massive business that, that people are, you know, there's so many, so many courses now, so many platforms that will host your course or I don't know. It, it, yeah, it blows my mind because 10 years ago, I honestly thought this was a, a fluke and that it wouldn't last. And now here I am with my 10 year anniversary coming up. So, and I still don't know what I'm doing. And if you ask anyone in this business, I hope they'd be brave enough to admit that too, because it's so new. You know, the internet's been around for a while, sure. You know, but I mean, Instagram hasn't been around that long. You know, Facebook had been around maybe for a couple of years before I started. It's all a very new world. It still feels like the Wild West. And, you know, we're forever creating new ways to share things, new ways to to um, connect with people, new ways to feel overwhelmed. It's it's just this enormous thing. Um, and you're constantly trying to navigate through it and figure out, well, what feels good to me? Because there's an awful lot of people telling you what you should do, but even they don't really know because it's this new world. Um, so I just keep coming back to, well, my journal page, actually, because that's where I, that's where I plan most things out. So any new course ideas I put in there, some of the survey results I've jot down, and I let it mulch, mulch down. I call it composting. I let it all mulch down until some little shoot like appears. And I'm like, yes, that's the one I want to do because it's the one I'm most excited about. It's the same with choosing your word. What's, what, out of all these ideas, what's the one I really want to do? Um, and that's the one I start creating. And then it seems more recently, you've mentioned this, I won't go further than than what you've mentioned, but that sometimes that you've got the shoot and then it grows into a course and then perhaps it decides it wants to turn into something more. There's been thoughts of of things going into books and Mm -hmm. writing more. So I'm interested in how you know, like what kind of shoot you've got when it shows up on the journal page. Um, it, well, it's all on, it's all on how much I think I've got to talk about really. Mm. Um, there's one course of mine, yes, that I can see transforming into a book at some point because it's something I could write so much more about. Um, and teaching a course obviously is, is, is very different. I mean, I may still end up with 25,000 words because I, the courses I teach are mainly written. I don't sort of teach in a video format. It's all words, of course. Um, but if it's something that I know I can nurture and grow into a bigger thing, um, then, you know, hopefully I'll do that one day. But the courses are almost always slightly more compelling because, frankly, that's how I pay my rent. Mm. So I could, yeah, I could sit and spend the next six months doing this book, but that's not going to pay my rent. And as a single self-employed person, that has to be my priority. And to be honest, it's tiring trying to create courses and write a book, doing those two things together. I've, I've only got limited energy supplies. 
So my priority is always, so how can I make money? How can I support myself? And then how can I do work that fills me up and makes me happy and makes me feel purposeful and useful? And how can I do things that serve the people that I'm here to serve? So it all needs to come together. And writing a book is lovely and amazing and really fucking hard. (laughs) So the book will come further down the line. But right now, my job is to teach and get those words out quickly and in a way that people can interact with sooner. You know, like if I did the book, I'd I'd love it to be traditionally published. I do enjoy that. Um, But that's further down the line. Right now, my job is to teach. That feels that feels more aligned with who I am right now, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, it almost makes me think as you're talking about, you know, the original purpose of writing books was obviously to communicate information. And, you know, there was a period in publishing when when it was a way that you could, you know, make more money than you do now. And that there have been all sorts of changes that that have caused that shift, which, you know, could probably be five episodes. But And that I almost feel like the explosion of courses is almost a way to have the experience of a book, but as a community. Mm. Well, it's, it's, sorry to interrupt you. It's a lovely way to learn, actually. I mean, learning from books, brilliant. That's what we do at school. Um, But you still need the teacher in the front of the classroom to take you through the material. So learning, um, especially in the online space, I enjoy learning online. And I enjoy teaching online. And, you know, I'm not trained to be a teacher, but thankfully I've discovered that I'm, you know, I'm pretty decent at it because I like words and I like communicating ideas. Um, And so knowing how to break a big idea into chunks, which I guess would be chapters, um, and then how to share them in emails or in, you know, whatever format you're using to share the information, how to break it down, how to do it in a way that's understandable, um, I always have lots of journal prompts. I want to I want to make it interactive in that I want the person receiving the information to interact with it and, you know, and grow from it. I'm not just teaching, well, this is how you do this. It's also, well, this is how you apply it to your life or to your world. For example, when I taught the course about um, tarot and oracle cards, it wasn't just um, this is what the cards mean or this is how you do a spread. It was like, well, let's look at different ways to use the cards because these are just tools so let's create new ways to look at them or new ways to explore them not just the traditional way of doing it so hopefully you got to the end of the three-week course and you're like oh yeah I can do this and I can do this and like it's always going to be a, a beginning point you don't get to the end of the course and it's the end I hope that I've I've taught you something that you can then you know run with that's that's always what I want it's always the beginning we end at the beginning Yes. I think mm. I think this is I mean this is interesting because I haven't thought I think of online courses sort of as a diversion or a new way of experiencing something rather than going and taking a class in person. But mm. to think of them as kind of living books is really exciting. Mm. Well, it's, of course it depends how they're taught. Right. But yeah. Absolutely living books. Well, it's chapters. We we I teach in chapters. Oh, it's great. And then you're, you know, you have the ability to communicate with other people because sometimes I think the thing that's that's missing as a as a rabid reader myself and then what I do is I'll read a book and then I start blabbing to everybody I come in contact with that they have to read the book 
too, <laughs> because I want to talk to them about the book, but also because I think it would benefit them. But there is something about, you know, when you take a course, you've already got a bunch of people who are, you know, quote unquote, reading the book with you, and you're able yeah. to discuss it right away, which is really well, rewarding. Exactly. Well, it's like, it's like a big sexy book club, isn't it? You've got to do it, <laughs> and you have to do it bit by bit, though. I think to sit down and read a whole book in this day and age, sadly, is is becoming quite a rare thing. You know, God, even I know that my attention span is dwindling because I spend far too much time online or on my phone or I can really feel the difference to how it was 10 years ago. So I think if um, if everyone's learning together, chunk by chunk, you're actually going to get through the material. Whereas if you ask someone to sit down, here you go, read that book from beginning to end. Not everyone makes time for reading anymore. It's quite sad. It is. I think, I mean, people always ask me how I get so much reading done. And I just say, because I'm a terrible sleeper. I'm a terrible mm -hmm. sleeper. And so I, I have to do something in the middle of the night while I'm just lying there thinking, oh, I'm not sleeping again. And, and reading is extremely helpful in those moments. I but... so hear you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> I really hear you. Yes. Although I find if I try and read in the middle of the night and I put the, put the light on, because I prefer to read paperback rather than look at a screen on my Kindle. Um, if I put the light on, then I'm awake. And then if it's a book that I enjoy, then it just wakes me up. So, so how do you do that? What do you read in the middle of the night? Well, this is, uh, this is a good question. Well, one thing I immediately want to suggest, if you get one of those little bitty clip-on lights, that mm. it wouldn't be quite so aggressive as turning mm. on a lamp. That is my okay. first tip. And yeah. I am definitely, I read like dim Kindle in the middle of the night because, and I ignore all of these articles about like, oh, you're going to destroy your eyes because I'm probably already destroying them by not sleeping. So I feel like it's okay. Yeah. Um, and then I have a series of things. I find that I too, I can't read anything if it's too interesting or if it's going to make me really excited about doing something. So I can't read like really exciting nonfiction that's going to give me things that I want to act on or journal prompts uh, that I cannot read in the middle of the night. But I can read fiction as long as it's not too kind of scary. And I always have um, the third volume Proust on my Kindle. I recommend this to everybody because to me, I loved the first two volumes. The third one is so boring and it reads like a gossip magazine from like, you know, the 1800s and I don't understand anyone he's talking about. And if I read that for like 20, 30 minutes, I can definitely fall back asleep. So amazing. <laughs> as it's also public domain. So you can just get it for free on a Kindle. It's, it's better than any sleep cure I've ever tried. Perfect. Um, I'm sorry to you, Marcel, wherever you are. The first two volumes were brilliant, but I think it's probably going to take me 10 years to get through the third, and then we'll see about the, the, the subsequent ones. Amazing. No, he's sitting on a cloud just going, yeah, man, I did it. <laughs> I, I helped her sleep. I saved her. I did her. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I find that I, I, um, I don't read a lot of fiction at the moment, which, is, which I feel quite sad about, and I want to, make, I want to try and change that. Um, but I, I just can't ever get through more than three pages before getting sleepy. It's really annoying. Mm. So I, um, I need to kind of sit upright and be alert and so I can take in the words because then I find myself reading the same two pages over and over and that just frustrates me. And actually what I want to do is make the time to just get into the book for three hours. So this is if I was going to make resolutions, um, my, one of my resolutions for next year would be get through some books like properly sit down and enjoy and have the pleasure 
of getting through some books. That's what I want to do next year. So that will be that will be woven into my words somewhere. I may have some supporting words that one of them might just be read, like mm. just simple read. That's what I want. Oh my mm. god, that's such a good word. Mm. I might have to steal that one. I, but it feels like a supporting word. Yeah, you know, this is something I talk about in in um in the course. Is you pick your one word that's your delicious, juicy. That's my word word um but then you can also have like two or three supporting words that are kind of like your backup words that you also want to infuse in because life isn't just one word obviously so i think the supporting words are quite nice to have as uh yeah as have them around you so you've got these words to pick from so yeah read that's a supporting word definitely it's like a sidekick yeah totally always well always let's face it I think nourish will always be a supporting word for me as well. Yes. That was such a good word. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, that one is tempting. I don't know. I have a lot that are that are hovering around. But I think it's there's this difference between the the trust I think is necessary because I think that I have picked many words feeling like I had to really aggressively make things happen. And they're right. like words like shine and brave, which were very like me putting energy outward directed. And the reason that I picked magic for this year was I was like, I kind of want the universe to do some of the heavy lifting. I don't want to mm. do all of it myself. Yeah, absolutely. I had the same thing when I chose the word miracles one year. I was like, no, just just shine it on me, man. Just give me give me the magic. <laughs> so yeah, miracles. And I remember like, I think the second day of the year, I, I went to the beach with my family and just saw the most amazing sunset ever. I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be the best year ever. I don't remember that it was the best year ever, but <laughs> it started really well. Nice. And I'd keep, I kept a, sep a separate notebook um, for all my miracles that happened. I think I called it my book of miracles. And it was just I was going to write down all the things just to note them all down as proof that these things happened. So I think I got to about May and then it kind of petered out. But the intention was there and I was looking for them. So... But yeah, it's it's like I said earlier, the outward words or the inward words, shine, brave. You're like, oh my God, this is going to be a full on year then because I've got to do stuff. They're very extroverted words. Yeah. Um, and I think you just, you got to look at your, the year that's coming and go, what do I need? Like, what have I, I've come to the end of this year. Like, how do I feel? What do I need right now? Do I need a beautiful word cuddle? Because if that's the case, you're going to choose something like nourish or I don't know. I can't even think of any words at all right now. I can't get past nourish. Mm, interesting. Mm. But yeah, what's your what's your word hug? What word hug do you need? And it may be you need a word cape that you can put around your shoulders and get out there and do stuff. But you may need a word hug. So you can go either way. And also, I mean, God, this isn't set in stone, obviously. You know, you might get to the middle of the year and go, right, I need a new word. You could You could have a different word for every month. It's it's whatever inspires you and feels exciting. That's the whole point of the entire thing. Is it's it's supposed to inspire you. So, you know, make it your own. Yeah, and I think trusting that great things will happen, whether you pick an inward word or an outward word. I think I've been yeah. driving myself to be like more extroverted than I am and saying, like, yeah, you're gonna go out, you're gonna pound the pavement, you're gonna get stuff done and I'm just exhausted. So I think that 
trusting if you're feeling this impulse at the end of the year, like, wow, I really did a lot this year, or feeling like you really have to grind yourself to achieve the things you want to achieve, that it's okay to pick something like Nourish, which sounds amazing. And, and things will still happen. It's not yeah. like, oh, God, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, it's all gonna come. Um, it may be that, say, for example, Nourish, which I'm so glad I picked because I knew with the surgery coming. So I knew this big thing was going to happen, like my first ever big, big, big surgery. Um, and it was exactly what I needed. But what was lovely is that I just integrated this word in so well that I genuinely got to the end, the end of the year feeling nourished. I mean, that is such a clear memory to me. Out of all the, all the words I've ever picked, that was the most impactful. You know, like brave was really useful. Open was really useful. Sure, love Obviously, it was amazing with um, with everything that happened in my family, but but it was nourished. That was the word. It was so so interesting, and because it was an in, inner inner looking word, it just made me look after myself a bit better, um, and and was just what I needed. So they're very powerful. We're very powerful. Yes, I think we are. So I hope that everybody listening will will trust themselves and pick the word that feels delicious and like an invitation and not like the one that feels like taking your vitamins I mm. think. <laughs> don't do the pick your vitamin take your vitamins word. don't do the word vitamins no no god <laughs> it's not going to make you it's not going to make you more productive i think you have to trust that when you're in the best possible space that's when you're going to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish absolutely just got to look after ourselves absolutely. whether it's with words or different practices or or whatever, whatever we do, it's our job to look after ourselves. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for, for talking about this. I think I can't think of a better way to end the year. Oh, thank you, honey. It's always such a joy to talk to you. It really is. Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing. We are wrapping up 2019. I have noticed. No, we're not. Oh God, you're so right. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. Easy there, tiger. I know. <laughs>